24th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. <coughs> Brethren, we give thanks to God always for you all, making a remembrance of you in our prayers without ceasing, <coughs> being mindful of the work of your faith and labor and charity and of the enduring of the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ, before God and our Father, <clears throat> knowing, brethren, beloved of God, your election. For our gospel hath not been unto you in word only, but in power also, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much fullness, as you know what manner of men we have been among you for your sakes. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in much tribulation and with joy of the Holy Ghost so that you were made a patent to all that believe in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you was spread abroad the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith, which is towards God, is gone forth, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves relate to us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who hath delivered us from the wrath to come. A continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus spoke to the multitudes this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which is... At which is the least indeed of all the seeds. But when it has grown up, it is greater than all the herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and dwell in the branches thereof. Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, until the whole was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke in parables to the multitudes, and without parables... He did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will, I will utter things hidden from the foundation of the world. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Excuse me. It's only one announcement today. Um, the rest is in the bulletin, so read it so I don't have to speak. Um, <clears throat> after mass, we're um, after mass. We're going to have a meeting of the Ecclesia Day uh, committee, and, and everybody in the in the parish is not only invited but recommended to attend. Um, we're going to talk about um, the direction the, that the Ecclesia Day committee is going, and. Um, talk about new membership in the committee to, um, to kind of rejuvenate it and, and prepare it uh, for this period of transition. So that'll be pretty much immediately after the Mass, give it five, ten minutes after Mass for you to make your Thanksgiving, <clears throat> and then it'll be in the, in the hall. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. (coughs) 
So if you remember, about a month ago, I gave a sermon, and I said that it would be the first of a series of sermons, a series of four sermons. Well, I wasn't taking into account the fact that I travel so much. Um, So this is actually the second sermon in that series, even though it's been months ago that I gave it. The first sermon I gave was on scandal. And at that time, I explained to you how our Lord showed mercy to great sinners. But on the other hand, he singled out a few, what we would consider small sins, as things to be really aware of, be really afraid of, and really um, avoid. So the first one was scandal. And there's the famous quote of our Lord, woe to the world for scandal, but it must needs be that scandals come Nevertheless, woe to him by whom the scandal cometh. That it would be better for him to cast a millstone about, uh, to tie a millstone about his neck and to cast himself into the sea. <coughs> this second sermon is going to be on hypocrisy. And our Lord came down very hard on hypocrites, especially the Pharisees and scribes pretty much all over the scriptures. There's many quotes from our Lord. Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes, hypocrites. Those who you who bind heavy burdens and place them on men's shoulders, and with a finger of your own, you will not move them. You love to take the first place at feasts, and the first chairs at synagogues, and salutations in the marketplace, and to be called by men rabbi. Blind guides who strain the gnat and swallow the camel. (coughs) Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you make clean the outside of the dish, but within you are full of rapine and uncleanness. Ye brood of vipers, how will you flee from the judgment of hell? These quotes were only taken from one chapter, chapter 23 of Matthew. And throughout the gospel, You can see time after time how our Lord really comes down hard on the Pharisees and scribes. Not because they are Pharisees and scribes, because back in the day, a Pharisee and a scribe were very holy people. Very much like our Lord would have come down on monsignors and bishops. He's not coming down hard on them because they are Pharisees and scribes. He's coming down hard on them because of their hypocrisy. So you've all heard sermons on hypocrisy before. They're usually harsh ones that make you feel really bad after you listen to them. That's not how this sermon's going to be today. In this sermon today, I'm basically going to explain what hypocrisy is and how we can avoid it. The sin of hypocrisy has two parts. The first part would be pride. And the second part would be disdain for others. So we have one sin, a sin of hypocrisy, and it covers a link towards the capital sin of pride. And it also goes against the virtue of charity. So let's take this first part, pride. 
Well, it, it, it goes against pride, first of all, interiorly, when we have a false esteem for ourselves. And this false esteem for ourselves is always present whenever we practice hypocrisy in any way, shape, or form. But it's very much the groundwork of the vice. So much so that we don't even notice it. But it's there. So we don't even think about the fact that we consider ourselves holier than others. But by practicing hypocrisy, it's there. It's down there. We think ourselves better than others. We think ourselves secure in our spiritual life so that we can then go abroad and look at other people, criticize other people, or um, talk about other people's faults. And we're not even thinking about the fact that we think ourselves holier than others, but if we did, if we did not think ourselves holier than others, we wouldn't be criticizing we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be hypocrites. That's why our Lord says in Matthew chapter 7, Thou hypocrite, take first the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt be able to see to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So that's pride interiorly. It also has a manifestation of pride exteriorly. And that's when we commit the sin of simulation. Now, simulation is related to lying. When we, when we say a lie, we are saying something that is not true. Simulation is when our actions are not true. It's a form of lying, not by words, but by actions. So by simulation, we pretend to be holy when in reality we are not. Our Lord says in Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you are like to whiten sepulchers, which outwardly appear to men beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones. Thus also outwardly you appear righteous to men, but within you you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So this sin of simulation, or this aspect of hypocrisy, which is a sin of simulation, can be mortally sinful or venially sinful. It's venially sinful if in reality we really are trying to be holy, but we want to get the pleasure of other people thinking we're holy at the same time. So for instance, you come to uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And in reality, you're coming because you want to visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. You want to be holy. You want to do your best. But then you get there and you get that temptation of the devil to say, okay, well, I'm going to uh, behave in such a way that everybody's going to think I'm really holy here. Or um, uh, do certain things or just pray as best as I can, more than I usually would because I want people to think I'm holy. <clears throat> that, would, that would be a venial sin of, of simulation. You're trying to be holy, but you want to get something out of it as well. You want people to think you're holy as well. It's mortally sinful if you're pretending to be holy so that you could do 
a serious sin because of it. So, for instance, um, uh, if a girl were to have a crush on a seminarian and she wanted to take him out of seminary and marry him, so she pretended to be really holy so that he would notice her, um, that would be um, that sort of sin of simulation. Another example would be if someone were to pray long time in the church, not because he wanted to pray in the church, but because he wanted to steal something in the church and he wanted people to think he was holy and leave him in the church and then when everybody was gone, go ahead and steal a candlestick or something. The Lord says in Matthew chapter 7, Ye hypocrites, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you, saying, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. <clears throat> so we have the example of Judas. Now the Lord had gone to the house of Lazarus to have dinner, and Mary Magdalene came in and she had anoint, uh, a bottle of ointment, of spikenard, and she cracked it open and poured it over our Lord's feet. And Judas said, well, why this waste? This could be sold and given to the poor instead of wasted over our Lord's feet. There he was pretending to be interested in the poor. The gospel itself says it. He was pretending to be interested in the poor when in reality... He, um, he kept the purse and he just wanted the extra money. The sin of simulation. The, others, the other point or the other part of hypocrisy is disdain for others. So it could be simple as, as simple as interior. You have this interior disdain for other people, you read about them and, and you don't think very much of them in your, in, your, in your heart. And then it also has a manifestation exteriorly by calumny and detraction. So you talk about people, you criticize others, you um, say, well, look, this guy shouldn't be doing this, that sort of thing. That's the other part of hypocrisy. At the end of the 24th chapter of Matthew, our Lord gives a parable. And he says, Who do you think is the faithful and wise servant who the Lord will appoint over his family to give them meat in due season? And then he compares two servants. The first servant maybe might not be the best servant, but... When the master is gone, the servant tries to keep the house running very much the same way as it always runs. So it might not be 100% spotless, but he's trying to keep it clean. He's trying to take care of the other servants, treat them nicely. He's trying to feed the family and basically keep everything running in the house well while the master is gone. The other servant thinks, okay, well... When the master comes back, I'm going to have this house spotless. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be beautiful. Um, but 
since he's gone, I'm going to trash the house. So he trashes the house. He um, treats the other servants badly. He doesn't feed the family while the master's gone. And our Lord says, well, our Lord, our Lord also says that he beats the servants and goes and drinks with drunkards. And then he says, the Lord of that servant <clears throat> shall come in a day that he hopeth not, and at an hour that he knoweth not, and shall separate him and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So how do we overcome or avoid this sin of hypocrisy? Well, it's very easy, actually. Just two points. First of all, a disinterest for human respect. Not to care what other people think of you. Um, that disinterest for human respect goes both ways. First of all, you're not going to be doing bad things that people suggest you to do. And secondly, you're not going to try to appear holy to other people. You're not interested in what other people think of you. And the second point is about as equally as easy. To seek holiness for the right intention. To seek holiness for the right intention. <clears throat> so our spiritual lives should be true, not false. We shouldn't kid ourselves and pretend to be holy. There's no point to that. We should not try to esteem others by false simulation. We should look at holiness as a goal, not as a quality. So we shouldn't look at holiness or say that we are holy in the same way as we would say, okay, well, I'm, I look fat today, or I look skinny today, or I'm tall, or I'm short. That's not what holiness is. Okay? Holiness should be something like a mountain. And we might be on the mountain of holiness, but we are not holiness. And as we go up the mountain, we're getting higher on the mountain of holiness, but we're not holy. The mountain's holy. We're not holy. We're on the path of holiness. And even when we make it to the top, we're still not holy. The view's great, but the mountain's holy, not us. We're not holy. Because in the, end, in the end, our Lord said it Himself. Only one is holy. God. None is good but God alone. So our spiritual lives should increase not because we want to be holy, but because we love our Lord. And if we genuinely love our Lord... We're not going to want to offend Him. We want to be with Him. St. James, in chapter 3, says, For where envy and contention is, there is inconstancy and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above first indeed is chaste, then peaceable, modest, easy to be persuaded, consenting to the good, full of mercy and good fruits, without judging, without hypocrisy. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.